I'm Matthew McCabe. Welcome to Miracle Voices. Each episode, we will be delving into stories of forgiveness, healing, and transformation that have come about from integrating the principles of the book, A Course in Miracles. If you want to learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit www.acim.org. If you'd like to visit the Miracle Voices site, please go to www.miraclevoices.org. If you feel inspired to make a love offering, please visit us at miraclevoices.org forward slash donate. All donations go support the work of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the publisher of A Course in Miracles. Now here's your program. Hello, everybody. This is Matthew McCabe. Welcome back to another edition of Miracle Voices. I am here with my co-host, Tam Morgan. Tam, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, especially now that I'm here. Good. And our guest today, Samuel Rodriguez. And, Samuel, welcome to you. And you? Oh, I'm doing I'm doing great. Ab, <laughs> Yay. Ab, abfab. <laughs> abfab. Oh, you haven't heard that one. in a while, have you? I really haven't. <laughs> <laughs> it might be an opportunity for forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason it hasn't been heard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Well, Samuel, how are, and how are you doing today? Well, I, you know, I hate to piggyback off of Ab Fab, but I <laughs> do am Ab Fab. Um, oh, okay. Today is my birthday. Oh, happy birthday! Ah, we didn't know that. Yes, That's well, wonderful. It's uh, it's another year around the sun, as they say. And I did love that show in the nineties, Ab Fab. If you yes. remember, the British yes, show. Yes, that was the hilarious what, show. Uh, yeah. Very funny. So appropriate. And you are joining us from the tip of the North Pole. Is that right, Samuel? Well, right now, that's basically what it resembles. Uh, lots of snow and uh, quite low wind chills. But as I'm in Canada, that's to be expected. So I can't really complain all that too much. No. Uh, right? yes. Well, this will warm you up. That's right. Oh, yes. At least our hearts. <laughs> well, Samuel, let's jump right in. How did, the, how did A Course in Miracles come into your life? So it came in kind of a roundabout way, I'd say. Um, to start off with, I guess I've always been um, pretty interested in, well, I was brought up in, a, in the United Methodist Church, so a tr- traditional uh, Christian household. But uh, spirituality was always something I was, you know, interested in um, beyond that. Um, once I was in my early 20s, I'd probably say around... 21. Um, It was one of those years where it seemed everything went wrong. I went through very terrible breakup, um, lots of family uh, chaos and things like that. So it was one of those points where you kind of, uh, as they say in the South, uh, come to Jesus moments. And um, so I was kind of really forced to look at what I had been valuing and what um, I had been brought up on was doing for me in my experience. Um, So that kind of brought me into just uh, looking on the internet and, and in bookstores for just sources that I thought would kind of feed that appetite for knowledge. Um, And I came across return to love. Uh, by by Marianne Williamson, obviously. Um, so that kind of introduced me to obviously very basic, um, uh, a cursory introduction. 
I moved on from Return to Love and then came across uh, Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, who I believe quotes the course, if not directly, um, but is obviously influenced by the course's teachings. And so that was that was way back then. Uh, fast forward uh, into 2019, I had yet another come to Jesus moment. Um, but this time, instead of going to kind of outside sources for the course's material, I finally dove into the course itself, uh, reading through the text and the workbook somewhat simultaneously. Um, and it was then where I realized I had finally, after looking basically my whole life, um, I had finally found a path that I thought um, really spoke to me on on every level. So that's kind of what how I got to uh, today. Yeah, when you say it spoke to you on every level, was there something that kind of jumped out to you like, hey, this is really speaking to me in a deeper way than maybe other texts uh, I've read? Uh, certainly, it's it's funny. It was the intellectual level that it began at. You know, um, obviously, the course isn't everyone's path, um, and I think one of the things that I'm, I'm sure some people kind of run into with the course is the uh, complexity of of the not only the concepts but the language itself. Um, me being an avid reader, me being somebody who is always super intellectual, I felt like this was like, it was finally something that I thought my brain was excited to uh, be challenged by. It was, it was a, a challenge at one, uh, I felt at one part, but on the other, it spoke as if I had myself thought all of these words in this sequence before. And this was like a remembrance sort of thing. So it was one of those moments where it was just this mixture of um, almost ecstasy, you know, on an intellectual, again, just, just the way it was presented. And then spiritually, I felt a lot of questions that I had had um, and a lot of the holes that I had found in traditional Christian texts and, and even other religious texts that I had read um, were, I, I saw a bridge to, to fill them at, at this point um, with, with what the course presented. So I, I think that's what really grabbed me initially. So Samuel, you've said what brought you to the course. I'm interested in what kept you with the course, why you've stayed. That is a wonderful question. Um, you know, it's funny because so many times I think when we as as human beings are are trying to find our path, whether it's whether we know it's a spiritual path, I mean, it, it always ends up there. But um, it's almost like for me initially was it was this like acquisition of knowledge. It was almost this. Um, uh, intellect became a, became an idol for me. So I was kind of like approaching all of these different paths, trying to figure out which one was the best and, and which one spoke to me the most. But when I got to the course, it was, it was so all encompassing and it was so, um, what's the word? 
well, in in Hindu in Hindu um, in metaphysics, you have Advaita Vedanta, which I forgot what it means in English, um, but it's the coming of one. It's kind of like the the mo- not monotheistic. There's there's a word I'm looking for um, where there's not a non-dual. It's a non-dual reality. That 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 that's where I'm trying to say. Um, it was it was non-dual, so there was no way for me to kind of logic my way out of it, to talk my way out of it. It was it was a complete beginning and an end. So once I found it um, in my heart and in my mind. Um, I, I've never left it. Obviously, some days I'm I'm more conscious of it living in me than others. But but I, at this point, I would say it's just kind of part of part of my day to day. And in this day to day, because I I'm I'm very touched by, I guess the the clarity in which you represent. You came in through the intellect and the course. It, I I keep calling the course, you know, very, in a certain way, um, this is dualistic, (laughs) I'm thinking, even in my description of it, but it's, it's like this most incredible masculine wrapping paper. And there's all of this, these words that are, that come, you know, with male terminologies in it, but its spirit is so feminine. And the core of it, as you unwrap it, you get from the intellect also to the heart as you apply it in particular. And so you've had this wonderful kind of love fest through your intellect, but how has it touched you? And do you apply it? Or, you know, are are you deep in applying the principles? Um, Does it open you into your heart? more than your intellect or is it balanced between the two or where are you now with that? So I would say just at a base level, I'm always intellectual. Um, So on, on one level, it's, it is kind of a balancing act of both. Um, But this is not to say that, of course, I, I, I'm transfixed by the intellectual level of it. I mean, like you said, um, and I find it so appropriate, the, the feminine heart of once you get to the, the relationship between um, us and, and Jesus and the, the relationship between the Christ in us and the Christ in each other, it it really, well, it dissolves boundaries. I mean, I, that's the point. I mean, how much more vulnerable can you get than letting all of these things that you once held against people, letting that go? Um, so for me, you know, it's changed the way I've not only, you know, lived with the people directly in my life, like my family members and and friends, but just you know, waking up, you know, my prayers in the morning, you know, I think, I I think about now, okay, who am I going to drive on the road with? Who am I going to see when I get my coffee, you know, and I go through all of these things now on on a much deeper level. It's, it's than just waking up and praying, oh, good morning, Jesus. I, I hope I have a great day and bless me and my family. You know, it's, it's, I find myself 
just going deeper into a, a more all-encompassing and again a more non-dualistic view of, of myself and and the world um, in my perception. That's beautiful. I love how spirit uses whichever pathway um, sparks our our interest um, and then brings us all kind of to the same place within it, but through our different aspects. And I just wanted to share that my my mother who um, helped co-found the Foundation for Inner Peace and brought the course, um, published it for the world. Uh, She was an incredible intellectual. She didn't consider herself that way, but she really was. Her pursuit of knowledge was just unending and her thirst for it. And at the very end of her life, and I mean on her last day, um, it was an extraordinary moment because we were talking about course principles and uh, she was literally on her deathbed. And I said to her, she said, you know, Art, the story was that she was going to go meet her husband and, and mother. And I said, so you're going to go do that. She said, no, I don't know anymore. I don't know anything. And I said, is that uncomfortable? And she said, no, not at all. Um, it's, it's what I'm becoming. I'm melting into the experience of that, which I practiced all my life. And basically I said, and what about the course? And she said that too, it, all of the words started to dissolve. So as she fell back asleep, um, and she would fall back asleep and wake up again, I read to her the passage uh, of the course of now forget these words, forget this course and walk holy unto God. I'm paraphrasing a little, um, but, but it, it kept her intellectually interested for all those years because it kept awakening that part of herself and the deeper she would get, the deeper it would bring her in. Yes. And, and I totally, I totally identify with that in the sense that, you know, I can go back and I'm sure we all know this, we can go back and read a passage and, you know, maybe before it didn't say anything, but today it says everything, you know? And so it's, it's transformative in that, you know, it's so layered and complex, but again, so consistent and clear in the message that, you know, it's, uh, it keeps you, it, it keeps you hooked, you know, on that level. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And now we get, sorry, Matt, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, now we get to hear how you get to practice it with forgiveness. Yes. Samuel would love to hear your uh, forgiveness story. Yes. So this one is, uh, is a deep one for me. Um, like I said earlier, I grew up uh, in the United Methodist Church, and uh, which, you know, by and large is a pretty, um, I would say, accepting more or less uh, a tolerant, I guess I should say, um, than say even other um, denominations. Um, but as I was growing up, you know, it was becoming apparent in who I was, which was, uh, you know, somebody of color and then somebody who eventually would come out as, as gay, as someone that was kind of ostracized in the church and not, not institutionally, 
but you know, there was this concept of, and we've met this, I'm sure with many other things, but um, of the us versus them that, that the sinners, and, and here we go, here we get into to the concept of sin and, and forgiveness. And um, you know, when I was in the church, you know, they would talk about how, how wrong um, homosexuality was and, and this and that, but that, you know, and they would always end it with, but Jesus forgives you. And, and, or, you know, we know we forgive each other and, and, and all of this. But for me, it, it, it left me so, I felt like an abandoned child. I felt like this, this idea, this um, vision of who I thought Christ was, and even, even who God was, um, was not the person who I thought they were. And so, you know, going into my teens and, of course, experiencing more of that kind of discrimination, it, it completely turned me off to the place where initially I had felt so at home because even though, you know, I was brought up in the church, I had always felt, you know, a a particular draw to it. So my distancing, distancing myself from it was, was really difficult. Um, So for many years I was, I became anti-church. I mean, I didn't, I didn't deny God or anything like that, but I was, I was anti the established um, church, I guess, as we know it. Um, and that became a huge sticking point for me because I, I still in my heart believe the things that they purported to believe, but there was this huge disconnect between what they were saying and, and what they were doing. And so that was kind of a beginning of a huge um I guess, sore spot in, in my life. And Bill Fetford was gay too. And talks about that in the, what book is that from Carol? How never forget to laugh. Ever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, was Bill's story of any help to you when you're kind of getting into the course more? Yes, for sure. I mean, that was probably one of the, in the beginning, one of the, the big draws, you know, because again, as a gay man, there is no place for you in the church, in the United Methodist Church. I mean, I mean, maybe there is now. I haven't looked into what their specific rules and regulations are, um, but there wasn't a place for that. So to see, to, to discover the course, and, and I was already very much... Um, reading it and, and practice, trying to practice it. And then when I started to read about the, the people, you know, behind it, Helen and Bill and, and, um, you know, the others, Judy and, and Ken, um, Bill's story, of course, hit home. Um, so I, I, in my, in my head, I thought, well, you know, these specific problems that I'm having, um, with spirituality and and myself and God, I know Bill had to have gone through, you know, and probably on some levels even more so, you know, obviously he came from a world where it would it was even okay to be visible in 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 most ways that way. So that 
Bill's connection, Bill's personal journey. And then, you know, from what I understand, you know, the, the, the way he was able to find peace and live, live a peaceful life um, despite of, of everything, uh, it gave me hope and it gave me a great amount of hope. So now you have these forgiveness tools hearing about Bill Thetford too, and his forgiveness progress and dedication. How do you use those tools of forgiveness to kind of integrate these traditional Christian conservative values and forgive, forgive those? Well, I think, you know, it's a really important to make the distinction between, you know, what traditional Christians define as forgiveness versus the course. And I think the most succinct way to do it is uh, the line from uh, the workbook. Um, I think it goes something like, um, forgiveness does not pardon sins and make them real. You know, uh, basically saying, you know, it's not saying, okay, well, you did this, so I forgive you for it. It's that extra step of 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 mercy and grace that that it's not only not seeing it as being a problem, you know, in your current reality, but not even being anything at all. And so when you kind of, tr- when you into, when I've tried, when I've integrated that more in- into what, you know, the problems I have, you know, you automatically have less psychic pain because you're not still holding on to these, these things anymore. Like, oh, I know she did this, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to forgive, but I won't forget you know, so you have this storehouse that yes, on, on one level, you've quote unquote, let it go. But then on the deeper levels, it's, it's just as dark and, and scary as it was the day it happened, you know, whereas in the course, it's constantly telling you, uh, let it go and, and replace it with, a, you know, true vision, you know? And so, um, when I'm good at it and when I'm concentrated and doing it, I mean, it's, it's like night and day. Um, it has to be, you know, when, when you're, when you're attempting to walk on any spiritual path, I think, you know, your experience has to be different or, or what are you really doing? Yeah, absolutely. One of the lines that I love uh, from the course, it says those who are forgiven from the view, their sins are real are pitifully mocked and twice condemned first by themselves for what they think they did. And once again, by those who pardon them. And when you turn that all upside down and inside out um, to realize that none of it is what's going on uh, at source, it, it gives such an opportunity for letting go of all the judgment here. Yes, absolutely. I think, um, you know, part of my frustration with the church was, you know, again, it brought me to a point of, okay, forgive them. Um, And now I feel like with the course, it's like, you know, forgive them and never happened. And then, like it says in the course, you know, and, and God takes the final step, you know, so once we've truly truly let it go and, and realize there was actually nothing to let go because it never happened. 
um, that's when I think we start to realize, you know, what true communion is. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Samuel, you kind of mentioned briefly, like sometimes you forgive and things come back around again, you experience them again, they kind of boomerang back around. It's like, do you really want to forgive this? Or do you want to go deeper into the pain? When, when that happens, how, how do you deal with that? Are you like, are you frustrated? Like, I thought I forgave this and here it is again. Or what do you do? How do you handle that? Well, you know, I think, especially with me, I can't intellectualize things too much. So for me, I can't make my thoughts become this, um, this other monster I have to fight. Um, so I, I do monitor my thoughts. Um, but of course, you know, like I said, when I'm, when I'm off my game, you know, and I start to go down this little rabbit hole, I don't I beat myself up about it. You know, I just kind of, I recognize it. I look at it, look at it. And I said, okay, well, what, what's really going on here? Cause I, I can't forget what it says, but it, what it says in the course precisely, but it's like, I think one of the lessons is we're not upset for the reason we think we are. Um, and yes. so, so I, I have to remember that a, and then once I realize, okay, what did I just say? I just recognize I'm upset. So then it's like, okay, then something's gone wrong. You know, what, what has gone wrong? And that goes to what am I doing? What am I doing? And that's the problem a lot of the time in life is we're doing too much. So I go to uh, the, the course mantra, I need do nothing, you know, and I try to get to the point where I'm not trying to control the situation. I'm not trying to dictate it. I'm, I'm really trying to, again, present it to, to God and, and let it go from there. Um, so for me, a big, a big help is, is remembering that most of the time, 99.9% of the time we need do nothing. Do you feel a shift then in certain relationships with the institution of the church and personal relationships from forgiveness then? How would you describe that? Well, you know, like, like I said earlier, you know, what, what. I initially thought there was to forgive was never really there. So in that sense, I've let it go. I don't really think about um, it anymore as I did. Um, I'm not involved in a church, um, but the, I mean, the relationships, I, I mean, when I left in my early twenties, you know, I, those relationships were, were kind of, um, not really kind of come back, but it is interesting because I think with my parents, I had initially thought that my reading the course and, 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 um, integrating the course into my spiritual practice, I initially thought that was going to be a point of contention, but, um, in that way, you know, I feel like it's brought us together in the sense that even if they are, they themselves are not, say, students, um, they can at least join with me on the level of heart of what, you know, it means to believe in a loving God 
what it means to believe in the principles of forgiveness and peace. Um, so that's been a shift that's happened, an unexpected, an unexpected shift um, that's happened from from this whole journey. And as you as you think about since you started with the course and you know Marianne Williams's book and Eckhart Tolle's, if you could go back to when you very first started with all that and like your you could you could talk to your younger Samuel and be like, hey Samuel, what you really need to know is just chill out and do this. What would this be? Hmm. I try to I try to give you stumpers here, Samuel. I don't want to make it too yeah, easy. Clear, clearly. <laughs> Thank you for keeping me on my toes. Um, you know, I would say that you know it's it's cliche. It's have to go with the cliche, but it's true. Uh, you have to follow your heart, and I think part of, again, the conflict I had with the church, you know, the conflict I had with my own uh, concept of myself and my spirituality and what that meant for me um, was because I wasn't really listening to my heart. And so what I mean by that is, you know, when I was kind of troubled by these concepts of, you know, a, a vengeful God and, and this glorification of, of the death of Christ, um, it was it was um, too heavy. It was too heavy, and so um, wait, what I forgot what I was where I was going with that. Follow follow your heart. Oh yeah, follow your heart. And so the whole time, my heart is like, this is not right. This it just doesn't make sense. You know why? What? It, why would God be vengeful? Why would God damn them and not others? Why are we concentrating on the death of Jesus Christ and not the the principles and the life and the message more than anything? You know, and so um, for a lot of the time, I stifled that in my heart, and that was you know my twenties, you know, traipsing around the material world. And um, trying to stifle that, um, but eventually, you know, when when you know you you have to face the lessons. You know, the lessons that are presented to us, you know, they keep coming back until obviously we address them. And this was one for me. So when it came up again, um, and I finally listened to my heart and kind of cleaved to the spirituality and, and the beliefs that I held to be true from the beginning. I was able to find my path once and for all. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, we'd like to do something called the stop, drop, and roll in these episodes, Samuel. And what that is, is just we're looking for practical things you do when you get caught in just snared in the tar pit of ego, and it just feels real, and you don't want to let it go, and you're mad because, hey, they they screwed you over and such and such, and the they deserve this and how dare they, you know, all those things we do constantly. Is there anything you do, any kind of practice, call a friend, go for a walk. I eat chocolate and scream in a pillow. I joke half heartedly, but is there anything that you do? Uh, yes, I have a gratitude journal, um, which I started about, I would probably say about a year ago, if not two years at this point. Um, it's something I get up, uh, I 
put at least two things uh, in the morning when I wake up and then two things at night before I go to bed. And it's just a way to kind of keep me um, level-headed and keep my uh, values in order. Um, because I think, again, a lot of the times we get caught up with, you know, stuff at work, stuff with our personal life. It's because we kind of, for, we priori prioritize the things we shouldn't and uh, let go uh, things by the wayside that should be at the forefront. So for me, my gratitude journal kind of keeps me uh, balanced in that way. Is it a paper journal or, or digital? Paper journal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I Love like, that. like it old school. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that. Yes. And the, the ink and the pen, it's, it's more ritualistic. It's more of a, of a practice that way, I feel. Yeah. I mean, either, either way, some people, my son would look at me like I was crazy for that. Actually, he's an artist. I should not categorize him as that. He probably wouldn't, but I love that. Yeah. It is amazing how that works. Like I, I, I do that begrudgingly, not every day, but sometimes I'll pull it out and I'm like, this is, this is stupid. It's not going to work. And then by like number five, I'm like on a, you know, gliding down a rainbow of gratitude. <laughs> so yeah really understand what you're saying here. Um, well, well, I will say, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I will say that next week is my birthday and I think I'm going to get myself a gratitude journal. Look, it's oh, oh, I love that idea. Yeah, that's, Good for you. Thank Sam you for that. Samuel, that's the butterfly effect, what you just did there. And I'm great. I'm grateful for you doing it. Oh, thank yeah. you. I'm happy that <laughs> we're all together. <laughs> I love the idea too, even in the journal of the pages fluttering in this butterfly effect. Yes, yes, it's a beautiful image. Yeah. Well, Tam, do you have any final thoughts or comments that you'd like to share with Samuel? Um, just that keep on going. It's great what you're doing. And um, and I, 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 you brought such a smile to my face to, and my heart to, to bring just what we we're talking about that intellectual thirst to uh companioning with the heart uh and where it, it does keep you moving uh because your heart is opening more and more uh, within the intellectual experience and the translation of it and i you know i come almost from the opposite you know that that my heart intuitively brings me to it and i keep learning more and more intellectually. Oh, that's where that thought comes from. <laughs> so thank you for sharing. That. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to hit you with a non sequitur before we go here, Samuel. I know, <laughs> I know there's like specific Canadian foods and I know you're American, but you're living in Canada. So you're our ambassador here. So in the East in Montreal, there's poutine. I had when I was up there, which is like a cheese curd on fries, very unhealthy, but I love it. And, uh, is there any, is there any comfort food you've come to enjoy while you're in, uh, while you're in Canada? Yes. And it's uniquely Canadian. It's, uh, called a beaver tail. Hmm. And, uh, what it is, is it's basically like, well, it's like almost, well, it's fried dough. It's let's just be honest. It's fried okay. dough and they'll, uh, you can lather, I mean, peanut butter, Nutella, jam whatever and then they top it and it's obviously in the shape of a little beaver tail 
and uh, they sell them even in even in the dead of winter. You will find those beaver tail carts um, with the lineups, and uh, yeah, even in this cold and ice, hot beaver tail is is a nice little comfort. <laughs> Oh, that sounds wonderful. I'm going to add that to my wish list for Canada. Well, Samuel, thanks so much for coming on the show today and sharing your miracle voice. It was really a pleasure to hear your forgiveness and I'm sure it inspired many others besides Tam and I. So thanks so much for that. And I hope you warm up here for the rest of the year and we'll look forward to chatting with you soon. All right. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure indeed. Yeah, really loved it. And I am going to put that beaver tail first in my forgiveness and gratitude book. <laughs> Awesome. Can't wait to hear about the updates. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Miracle Voices by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are enjoying these conversations, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. And lastly, please visit us at miraclevoices.org and join our newsletter so we can stay connected. Until the next podcast, I want to leave you with my favorite course quote, When you want only love, you will see nothing else.